This is the Serial and Midnight Podcast. Hey guys, welcome to the Serial and Midnight Podcast. My name is Heath Holland, and I hope that you are ready for some hot iron and cold blood because we are talking about a brand new anthology of the Weird West that is hot off the press from Death's Head Press. I'm talking to the editor, Patrick R. McDonough, and the uh, the writer of the foreword, R.J. Joseph, aka Rhonda Jackson Garcia. And uh, what is a weird Western tale? Just in case you don't know, a, a Western, so it's a Western setting, right? But there's a twist. There's a supernatural twist. All these stories are horror stories. This is a horror Western anthology. You know, I love that because I, I love horror and I love Westerns. It's so funny to me when people say, Heath, I don't like Westerns or Heath, I don't like horror because I think it was Roger Ebert said that he, when people say they don't like a genre, what they mean is like, I don't like that Western story. You can't dismiss an entire genre because the the story is what matters. And the setting, the story should, a good story transcends the setting. And it just becomes about people and their hopes, their fears, their dreams, their foibles. And do they overcome them? Do they not? One of the things I love about Westerns and that it makes it so ripe for pairing with horror is that it's a uniquely American genre. We're talking about the expansion of the American West. We're talking about the migration to, you know, into the West and everything that happened there. You know, there's a lot of heroism tied to that, but there's also a lot of tragedy. There's also a lot of, of, of atrocity, you know, there's a lot of uh, horrible, horrible things that happen in that journey. And so when people say, I, I don't know if I really like Westerns, I'm like, what are you talking about? It's, they're so, it's, there's so much potential in that genre. So here we have an anthology collection of weird Western tales. I got to tell you, uh, there's a lot of cool stuff here. That there, I mean, you want gothic flavors. We've got that. One of my favorite contrib- contributions here really took me by surprise. Uh, it's got dinosaurs in it. And you know, like that's not new to the weird West genre. I think about the Valley of Guanji, which is, I think it's a late fifties movie. It's dinosaurs in the old West. Uh, substi- dinosaurs substituting the role of horses, right? But what do you do with it? What does that story say? And that's one of the things that I love about this. So listen, we got stories by Joe R. Lansdale. We got stories by David J. A story by David J. Scow. Uh, the editor Patrick McDonough contributed a story. It's got a real cosmic twist to it. Very cool. Uh, there's a lot of really good stuff here, and I, I'm going to let the contributors to this collection talk now. But I want to show this book. If you're watching the video version, Hot Iron and Cold Blood is now available. It makes for great Halloween season reading. Uh, and I just think that it's the coolest. This cover, this this is an amazing cover. It, it has it channels the late 60s, the early 70s, that golden age of paperbacks, of pulp, of, of the horror novel, the kind of thing that, uh, that we're snatching up now if we can find them in secondhand stores. This is brand new. This illustration is brand new. And I just think, I think it's the best. So listen, without further ado, we're going to get into this book right now. Thank you guys for taking the time to talk to me and congratulations on the book, Hot Iron and Cold Blood. This is really, really cool. And uh, I'm excited to talk to both of you about it. Thank yeah, you. So thank you for having us. Like, I'm really excited to be able to chat with you. And I'm always excited to talk with Pat outside of text messages, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, she's she's one of those people, Rhonda is one of those people that is like so smart that you you are intimidated by it but you just want to keep hearing her talk. And uh, this is what I was going to say before we start recording. 
when she said yes to doing the forward, I knew she would crush it. I don't know what's bigger than that, but whatever it is, it's like uh asteroid level of crushing it. <laughs> Every time I read something by her, I'm like, yeah. I write too, but at a different level. <laughs> She's coming from an academic, non-snobbish uh, level, I guess. <laughs> so... Right. There's a lot of snobbery in academia too. So kudos to you for not, you know, you know, you're yeah. pushing back against that. Yeah, you thank know. you. Yes, that's one of my goals for world domination, to make academia <laughs> accessible for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, it's supposed to be, you know, it's supposed to be uh, like reading is for everybody. It's not something that's for like the elite. You know, oh no, um, right. and and especially a, a collection like this, an anthology of of weird west tales let's start there for there are gonna be people who are watching this they're like what's well they're gonna be like one westerns ugh no and they're gonna be like what's the weird west so let's talk about both of those things because i love both of them but um like what is a weird a weird west tale Rhonda. yeah so uh what i think of when i think of a weird western tale is that it has all those tropes of of uh old west stories where we talk about grid and the frontier and the wilderness and resilience but where we also start to put in these weird things that are kind of uncanny uh, and and being a, a native Texan, um, I mean, I've lived here my whole life. And so, so many of the elements in these stories are still a part of our lives here, right? And so I think that the weird Westerns just embrace that uncanniness as opposed to pretending it just doesn't happen. Yeah, um, for me, uh, I, I feel like we're living in a modern Wild West. And what I mean by that is, we have a new territory. Yeah, it's not physical. It's social media. And really the last 10, 10 years is probably it. 10 years we've uh, we've seen a different way to live. Um, and it changed our course forever. So all that to say, why the weird West is um, the West is worth exploring because there's lots of stories from black people you know lesbians like uh in uh, uh victor laval's uh his recent book uh, lone woman where it's women moving out west because they can be themselves um i, I didn't know that that's a real thing i want to know those stories you know and um something that's universal is that humans and what they go through especially brutality it's interesting because you want to see and imagine how you would handle that scenario. So that's why I like Westerns. I, I like the more gritty, real version. Like, I like realism. But with with the weird aspect, uh, that is just you're embracing, typically leaning towards supernatural or something that's really unexplainable, which would could fall under probably either supernatural or paranormal. And... It's just uh, like with hot iron. It's really, it's really different. Uh, like the the story I wrote, I it, it it's the weird west. Oh, that's a good example. Uh, we I didn't want to do like the typical, you know, John Wayne story. Um, but with mine, I put it in Montana, and it's part of the Wild West that you don't see too many stories about. And um. There's a little girl that wished upon a star and, and it, things get strange. So can we say like it's a that. little Lovecraftian, you know, like I did yeah. some Lovecraft there. Sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
uh, but it was heavily inspired by John Langan's um, The Fisherman. The that there's towards the end, there's this uh, behemoth, and I just stuck to the details. John's a hell of a writer, so uh, I was thinking of that story with my my wished upon star. Mm-hmm. Well, what I love about the format of this is that the stories can go anywhere, and you talk a little bit. I think it's in your afterward. You talk mm-hmm. a little bit about how you pace it, like you you, you segment it in a certain. Um, you order it in a certain structure so that you have like a flow and a, a rise. Uh, it's different flavors, you know, everything's got a different tone to it. And there's some that are kind of funny. And then there's some mm-hmm. that are kind of intense. And then there's some that are scary and some that like, it's, it's a whole like Gothic. Um, that's one of the things that I love about this. How did you, I mean, I, you, you do have, we have intros, we have the, the, you know, the afterward here, but I do want to find out a little bit, like, how did this come to be? Cause this is your first anthology that, that you've edited, right, Patrick? Yeah. Yeah. It's the third, third book I've edited. Um, I, I was a beta reader for my, one of my best friends, Brian LaFaro released Slattery Falls. It's, it's a really fun New England ghost story. Um, I, I beta read it, but my version of beta reading would be comparable to uh, like a, I don't know if this is the proper title, but like a content editor. Like I'm looking for contingencies um, and whatnot. And I, I leave, basically I'm saying every page is covered in red, like red ink. Um, and then I edited, I, I really edited uh, actually with Patrick C. Harrison III, who used to own Deathhead Press. Without him, this book doesn't exist. Um, so forever I will be grateful to him. But um, I edited this book that might come out, might not, by a musician. I'm not going to name him on air, but I'm a big fan of them. But it was nonfiction, and it just, I like when things are, they can be whatever they want, you know? And uh, that was fun. I learned a lot, and I just felt confident because of the podcast, too. That's huge. When you talk to people mm-hmm. face-to-face, you start you start dropping the veil of, like, their behind the curtain in a better place um so the, this was the third book i edited uh this press that i submitted the story to closed um i had no sto- like no place to submit it i'm friends with patrick c harrison the third and he was a owner of Deathhead press at the time and i sent it to him and asked if they were thinking about doing an anthology he said no um he read my story, said if we did do it, this would be in. And then he actually edited it. And he said, this is, he left me feedback for a short story years before. He said, he said, you've come a long way. And that, that felt good. Cause he, he knew my evolution just from reading those two stories. And long story short, we went back and forth. I was like, I'm friends with Ed Lee. I can call him. I could see if he gets, a, you know, has a story for it. And um, I'm like, I can talk to Joe Lansdale too, but you guys can. One thing led to another, and for some reason, I became an editor because we didn't have one. And then the publishing house changed who ran it. There was a lot of unanswered questions for like months. I didn't know if the book would happen. Um, all the writers were paid, and then eventually the new team picked up, and uh, we got a great cover, and it just ended up actually working out. Talk about the so I, I I didn't think I'd ever be an editor, but I'm working on two things now, and I just love it. 
you've done it. I mean, it's happening now. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about the cover because this cover is freaking awesome. It needs a post. I want this poster on my wall. Me too. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I'm going to see, I'm going to talk to them about it, but I don't, <laughs> they're the, they're the ones that have the money. So I got no clue. I'm going to take mine it. to FedEx Kinko's and have them print out like a, exactly. Same. Yeah. So the cover is by this artist. His name's Robert Samellen. It's S A M M E L I N. And, um, He's on Instagram and then he's got a website, but his art is just, it blew me away. The publishers picked it out and I loved what they did with usually see a few header names. Think of whoever is like a top dog writer and uh, they're usually like this one, that one, that one and more, but they did something really smart. Um, And I don't know who to credit. I feel like I should know this answer. I don't right now, but they made the, the font of everyone's name in the anthology small like you can read it but small where it fits and made sense on the screen and then it felt like a movie poster and then it felt like we were represented as a team we are and uh also going back to when i asked Rhonda to do the forward i was calling her on the phone and pushing my son on the swing like i still remember it very vividly i can't say about most things in my life and she and I were just pumped i'm like i for some reason get to decide everything they're giving me full creative control so do you want to do it? I don't know if Rhonda knows this. I asked one person before her. No, two. And I don't know if it's rude or not. Well, hear me out. The first one was the guy that did Bonehawk, uh, um, Bone Tomahawk. That's Craig Zoller. And he he politely said no. And then I asked David J. Scow. So it was nothing against you, Rhonda. And then I thought me and Brendan were talking and he suggested you. And I'm like, how did I think of that? Um, <laughs> but when I called her, so please don't hate me for that, but that's no. the story. I don't think it's in the afterward. <laughs> when I call when I called her, I was just really happy. I was I was paying attention to my kid, but like I was just Rhonda's Rhonda feels like she's been my friend forever. And I've only known her for like three or four years. So that's my answer. It's very long. I hope I answered. <laughs> yeah, the you question. did. But you know, in the next anthologies that that Rhonda contributes to, there's gonna be a story about an editor that betrayed her. And <laughs> Of course, no, no, no. <laughs> that's how the business goes. I'm just glad that that my name came up at all. Like that was that's always an honor anyway, regardless to the order. Weren't you? It really is a, a great contribution. And and Rhonda, I did want to ask you. So you know, I come from a lot of movie movie stuff. I, I'm kind of a movie guy, as <laughs> as you can see, right? Yeah. Um, I love. So I talk a lot about the Western it. genre, the Western film genre, and mm -hmm. how people will constantly say to me. Westerns are over, even though there there's like a renaissance right now with Westerns because we're getting so many uh, mm -hmm. because it's a great format to package. It's all about the themes is what I'm getting at. It's the, the themes are timeless. The themes resonate with who we are, our ambitions, our uh, our faults, you know, the thing that are the worst of us comes out in these movies. And I feel like people can kind of miss this uh, as someone who's who's writing stories, editing stories, how important or maybe the better question is how themes transcend any genre do they not yeah they absolutely do uh i think that genres just allow us to put them in packages that that different people might prefer over others but these themes are universal and i think that 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 the tropes that that 
even traditional Westerns bring out. Like I still listen to the the old radio shows, uh, you know, the Gunsmoke and the the different ones. And and I remember thinking that these are all things that we're all dealing with. Like there's the, you know, the father who sees his, you know, child grow up and they want to go off to get an education, but he needs help at home. Uh, I mean, some of my students are going through these same things, right? So so yeah. those the themes are universal. And I think that just packaging them in these different genres gives people uh, a different choice to make, right? So you can mm-hmm. read about these themes in romance, you can read about them in horror, you can read about them in Westerns, you can read about them in sci-fi, you know, just kind of whatever flavor you like best. Yeah. And if you don't want to pick up on the themes at all, which some people don't, then you don't have to, you know, <laughs> you just get a cool story out of it. Um, how did you, Patrick, how did you choose the the selection of title of, of, of stories that are here? Did you have to, did you solicit for them or like, what was the process there? I got to invite, I pitched the main idea. Uh, like I said, I don't know why they were like, we have done anthos in a while. They don't make a lot of money. Sure. You can pick a kid, even though you have no track record. Hold on. Is that true? They don't make a lot of money. Like anthologies don't sell well. No, that, I mean, even with a big trade, um mm-hmm. publishers like uh let's see i think the exception are ones like jordan peele's that just came out um mm-hmm. out there screaming dude i know we're talking about hot iron and cold blood but that book <laughs> oh my god that book is yes remarkable we just had two guests for that sh- on the show and they sorry i'm gonna i'm gonna stop talking about another book let's talk <laughs> about hot okay. iron. i mean listen we're just we're just hanging out here so they don't make a lot of money though that's what i'm told i yeah, no, they, they really don't. Yeah, they just don't. There's such an acquired taste, I think. Uh, I think that short stories are are something that everybody just isn't attracted to. And so that's kind of the thing, in, especially in horror. The, the anthologies just don't make a ton of money. They're usually used for more for exposure for the writers. So like when you have people that have read your short stories in these anthologies, it may open up to other, you know, avenues for you, other opportunities, but nobody's going to get rich on anthologies. I mean, unless they're Jordan Peele, you know? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, do you guys think, I want both of your perspectives on this, because in, in the movie sphere, people are always saying, oh, that movie wasn't scary. So it's not horror. Like there's a diminishment of horror if it's not, if it doesn't personally scare you. Do you see any of that in fiction or any of that, you know, talking about an anthology thing like this? Do you see any pushback against, that's not scary, so let's just say it's not hard. Okay, for instance, David Scow's story, it's not scary. It's not, you know, it's it's got dinosaurs in it. It's kind of satirical. Mm-hmm. Um, just, can you talk to me a little bit about that? Rhonda. Yeah, they're, they're <laughs> I, I swear every other week on, on social media, there's a discussion about what is horror, what yeah. is not horror. A lot of gatekeepers. And, yeah. And, and honestly, those discussions are exhausting to me because I, mm-hmm. I feel like horror is such a spectrum. Uh, and because the things that scare us tend to be very personal and very individualized that some of the things that do happen like you know they're coming for you (laughs) yeah they may scare me but I mean maybe they don't scare you so I mean I think it's kind of it's very reductive to just kind of say well that's not scary but like to whom like have you ever 
had a kid? Like, has your kid ever picked up something weird off the ground? Like as a parent, that is terrifying to me because you don't know what it is. It could be a carcass. It could be a, a, a spell, a, a figuring. It could be anything, right? It could be disease written. It could be. So, you know, that it might not seem frightening to just have a kid bend down and pick something up, but I've, I've seen things <laughs> in my parenting journey. So it, it's kind of gets into those whole things of opinion to kind of say, well, this didn't scare me. I think that that's a, that that might be a more uh, helpful way to frame these conversations mm -hmm. is that, okay, it wasn't quite for me, didn't quite scare me, but you know, can we look at what the structure is though? What does the story do? Does the storyline fit into the horror genre? Because not great for me and not great at all. Those are two different things that are mm -hmm. like miles apart. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, I think that it would be a little more productive to have those conversations by just saying it just didn't fit for me. Uh, but somebody else might like that. Somebody else might be terrified by that. Like I'm terrified by things that other people kind of go, oh no. And I'm like, you don't know where my brain goes. You don't know where that story takes me, where that little detail went. So uh, yeah, it's, it, it can be kind of annoying, but you, we do see that all the time. You see it all the time. <laughs> what's next for you guys? I mean, like, congratulations, what's next? No, I don't mean like that. <laughs> no, that's like, fine. What's, what's further down the road for you guys? Once you hit a certain point, you're stacked with, only projects and so are your friends that like you got to plan two three years maybe four mm -hmm. out of the way so i said to, i said something like that to ronda i'm like <laughs> i would like to edit uh anthology with you what do you think i'm like i got this and this because i know her taste i know what she likes and she was into it i'm like let's eventually make that happen so that's down the way but before that um i'm not gonna say much there is it's not bought yet there's no publishers that bought it yet so i'm not binded by like not saying nothing but long story short the sequel thematically and spiritually to hot iron cold blood has been in the works for like a year year and a half and i'll just say my friend uh jill girardi is attached to it she has the first story in there because it deserved it uh i asked Rhonda if she'd want to be in it that's the only person i'll say because like things might change but i asked yeah, Rhonda. Sure. And she said yes. And um, yeah, so that's what we got planned. I don't know when that'll happen. We're trying to sell it. We're trying to pitch it. Um, gotcha. Yeah. The road so if you goes like ever on. The what? <laughs> the road goes ever on. Yeah. Yes. Yes, nice. thankfully. Like um, so I, I'm always doing a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, so I, I have a, a holiday holiday warm family holiday story coming out in a an anthology with um the seventh terrace called solstice in purgatory uh and so but it's a horror anthology so these stories aren't very warm and cozy uh, i am also uh working on editing a, the new line of novellas with raw dog screaming press and mm. so we put out the first one by uh, bleak houses by kate mayamura uh wonderful wonderful uh reception the next one um is in pre-orders right now that uh, is 12 hours by el marie wood uh and so i'm really excited about this line because it it, it brings uh sort of an academic uh aesthetic um, to the novellas. And I mean, just the, the cover design that um, Lynn Hansen did for this line and, and the branding uh, and, and working with just the, the greatness that, that Raw Dog Screaming Press is like in the, in the horror scene is really exciting. So, um, and one day I'm actually going to sit down and write that, that uh, story 
that um, editor McDonough has uh, requested that I write. And uh, yeah, wait. and I'm also finishing up a Western of my own, like an oh, actual yeah. Western novella. So, you know, one day it's going to be done. I've been writing it forever. And I'm like, it's got to be done before the end of this year. So always doing a lot of stuff. <laughs> Very good. Well, and you're also both podcasters. Tell people where they can tune into your shows. Ronnie, go ahead. Oh, yeah. So we are, um, I, John Edward Lawson, and I do the Genre Blackademia podcast. We're on hiatus right now until next year uh, because, again, academia, everything's so busy. I know John has a lot of um, duties as the um, Horror Writers Association president right now. And mm. so we're taking a little breather. Um, but you can, um, anybody that wants to listen can look for us at uh, Genre Academia. Uh, and, um, yeah, I'm really excited about it. It gives us a chance to to wax poetic and academically about horror, which we both love. And I'm just excited to be able to talk to my friends all the time. <laughs> uh, yeah, definitely check out her show. Um, I, I'm a I'm the founder and producer and one of the hosts of Dead Headspace. We've been around since 2020. Um, and I do it with my friend Brandon Lafaro and uh, Candice Nola. We talk to, it's a conversational video and audio podcast. We just, um, next week, Chuck uh, Polonick's third appearance is going to pop off. And that was fun. That guy is, he's one of the smartest people I've ever talked to. Like he just, <laughs> he has questions and talks about like, he blew my mind with his, what he believes Ira Levin. Um, real intent was a meaning was behind Rosemary's baby. So, um, if that intrigues you, check it out. Um, and we just talked to some people. I, I talked to Peter Straub on there, and it still feels like a dream. Um, there's a lot of heart-to-hearts. We've had Rhonda on there. She came on to talk with Tanana Reeve last year. Mm-hmm. I think it was last year. Uh-huh, um, I think it was last year. might have been this year, now that I think about it. Maybe February. I don't remember. Yeah. But it's, <laughs> it, it's just a fun show, and we try to like we try our best to just um, be very lax and we don't we try not spoiling any books mm-hmm. yeah well that's great uh i'm going to link to those podcasts and i'm also going to link to where people can buy hot iron and cold blood in the description of this episode you know i'm a huge fan of of westerns and weird westerns so this is really great and this just has that the the presentation is just so collectible and cool and it's just like I, I think everything about it is really great so i want to congratulate both of you thank you both for being here uh thanks. and i appreciate your time so much no thank you Heath. it's yeah, thanks, great Heath. to meet you appreciate it man Again, I want to thank both Patrick and Rhonda for taking the time to uh, talk to me about this. We don't do a lot of book coverage here at Serial at Midnight. It's something I would like to do more of. So this is sort of a step toward that direction. Uh, I would love to get feedback from you guys about this. You know, I, my my concern kind of is that I, I've been so movie centric that when I talk about other things like music or like novels or even comics, that's... Uh, but you don't associate serial at midnight with that anymore and you don't so that doesn't necessarily resonate so i need to where my peeps at i need you guys i need the readers out there to let me know that you're there that you're seeing this coverage and you just to, to support these uh these writers these yeah support them not just by buying the book but you go check out their podcast again links in the description of this video and you can also support serial at midnight by subscribing by rating by reviewing if you're watching this on youtube you know the drill thumbs ups comment 
Uh, if you're watching this or if you're listening to this in audio form, please write a review. Please subscribe to this podcast so that you get content as it's going up. More than ever, your subscriptions are increasingly important because creators are being buried. The algorithms that run these platforms are not letting you know when I've got new episodes for you. That's what it comes down to. I put up new videos on YouTube. People don't know. People that are subscribed to the channel never even know that the video has gone up. So be diligent. Seek this stuff out and uh, engage. That's how it grows. That's how it gets exposure. Just as the, as that's the same way with this with this book, with this anthology of the Weird West. The more you can talk about it, the more you can share it, the more you can hype it, the more you support it the better it is for stuff like this. We support things with our dollars, with our time, uh, and that's how we get more things like that. So if you want more cool Weird West tales, you gotta pick it up. Uh, thank you so much, I appreciate you. I should mention, you should all, you can also do a YouTube membership for Serial at Midnight, it's five bucks. You get exclusive videos, you find out what's coming on down the line. Uh, so it's like a Serial at Midnight insider thing, and it's five bucks, and it really, it honestly really helps the channel. And uh, you can also head over to Patreon where there's an archive of over 150 exclusive videos. There's a whole bunch of perks that go with that. Uh, without the Patreon support, give it, YouTube, given where it's at right now, would I still be doing this? I don't know. I honestly don't know. Patreon is really keeping a lot of this stuff alive. You guys are keeping this stuff alive. So whatever you can do to, uh, to, to share Serial at Midnight and to support Serial at Midnight, well, I just, I thank you, partner. I thank you mighty kindly. So, uh, so let's talk about the book. Let's continue the conversation about this book wherever you're checking this out. And uh, we'll keep the conversation going. Listen, I got a lot of cool more, a lot more cool interviews headed your way coming really soon. So take care. Until next time, I will catch you later.